This podcast features topics about sexual assault and rape. Discretion is advised. If you're seeking help, the National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-4673. It's time we start bringing our attention to something a little closer to campus. It's happened to your friends, your roommate, the girl who sits across from you in class, and the boy you pass on the way back to your dorm. It's sexual assault and rape, and it's time we talked. You're listening to Call It What It Is, a five-part podcast that focuses on sexual assault on college campuses by featuring victim stories and the resources that are available to them. I'm your host, Rachel Bandy, and it's time we started calling it What It Is. In this episode, Jessica Case shares her encounters with sexual assault. Like others I've interviewed, Jess never reported what happened to her. My hope for this podcast is that others will realize they are not alone and do not have to be afraid to come forward and share their stories. My first time experiencing sexual assault was my senior year of high school. I had been drinking at a friend's house and my best guy friend hadn't been drinking and It was that night that he took advantage of me while I was asleep. Moving on from that, I wasn't sure who I wanted to tell or if I should tell anyone. Eventually, I did tell my best friends, and things did kind of get out after that. And I think what hurt the most was people could know this about him, and it really didn't change their opinion of him much. And that really hurt... it's crazy to think that people can look at him and be like, oh, but he's a good guy and he's a great friend, and but he did what he did. Coming to college, I didn't really experience anything early in my college career. I did hear things about that, obviously affecting other girls, but it was actually this past summer that I was sexually assaulted for the second time. I have been dating my boyfriend now for about 10 months, and he was amazing through that. He was the first person I called. He knew right away. And I think the fact that he was able to look at that situation and know none of it was my fault. This was There was nothing I could have done about it. And he was just supportive through all of it. Unfortunately, this was a situation that I really couldn't tell very many people because it would it would really hurt people. And so I chose to keep it a secret, but It was very similar to the first time someone I trusted and I had been drinking and I was asleep. I feel like it's easy to look at a situation and try to talk yourself out of it. That's something that I definitely did. Sometimes I asked what I could have done differently, what I did wrong. I feel like, too, some people felt the same way about that and may have asked me what I could have done differently. But eventually I've come to terms with the fact that This is not something that is my issue. This is a self-control issue beyond out of control. And I think that's something that girls really need to know is this is not your fault. We shouldn't be preemptively stopping sexual assault because a girl's drinking too much or she's wearing something provocative because that's really not the issue here. The issue is that people aren't able to control themselves. And unfortunately... I did feel very defeated after the second time just because I began to think about myself differently for quite some time just because the fact that it had happened twice made me think like what have I done 
Um, but as I said, my boyfriend was super supportive and he really helped me through that phase. And now looking back, I realize neither time was my fault. It doesn't reflect who I am at all. And if anything, I hate to admit it, it has made me stronger, but that doesn't mean I'm glad it happened. That's not something that should ever happen to anyone. And hopefully in the near future, something can be done to keep this from happening to guys and girls alike because no one should go through this and no one should have to question themselves because of the actions of somebody else. Jess was able to use what happened to her to become an advocate against sexual assault. My next interview is with Marquette University Title IX Deputy Coordinator, Kara Hardin. I am specifically assigned to student affairs, and so while we have four Title IX Deputy Coordinators on campus that assist the Title IX Coordinator in the university's compliance with Title IX of the Higher Education Act of 1972, I'm specifically tied to student affairs, which means I investigate and adjudicate all reports of sexual harassment, discrimination, and sexual misconduct involving students. As part, I also assist the Title IX coordinator in training efforts across campus about the, our university's Title IX sexual harassment, discrimination, and sexual misconduct policy, and make sure that we employ a fair and equitable and thorough process through every step of the way when there is a report of sexual violence. And students, I will do those trainings with the Title IX coordinator. Kara shared what her daily tasks as the Title IX deputy coordinator are. We have a report of let's, of, of, let's say, sexual violence, and that victim wants to move forward with a formal complaint under the Marquette University Title IX Sexual Harassment Discrimination Sexual Misconduct Policy, then I would begin that investigation. And what that looks like is I start out by talking to the reporting party to find out what happened. What I do looks very similar to what a police detective in a sex offense unit would do. And that's actually where my background, my professional history is. I'm a former prosecutor of sex offense crimes. And so it looks very similar to what a detective, so I would talk to the reporting party. I would figure out the witnesses that may have information about what happened. I would send a notice to the, the we call them the responding party and we would allow him or her to be able to respond and come in and also talk with me about what happened. I collect evidence in addition to getting witness statements and what that evidence looks like is if we have a incident on campus, I have access to all 900 cameras on campus. I have access to the card swipe system for dorms and meal places. We rely a lot on social media and text messages and emails just to try to get a full picture of, of what's happened with the case. And once I am done with that investigative process, which usually takes one to two weeks depending on the incident, both parties get all of the evidence that's collected and that will be used to make a decision. I am the decision maker in the investigation and so what I'm looking for is evidence that is that demonstrates it is more likely than not that there was a policy violation. So I don't investigate criminal crimes. So somebody says, you know, you investigate rapes. Well, rape is a criminal statute. We call it non-consensual sexual intercourse or sexual contact under our Marquette policy. So, and the standard is preponderance of the evidence, which basically means more likely than not. If the evidence supports that it's more likely than not that the offense occurred, then I will make that finding and draft a report 
supporting that finding, and then I would also issue a sanction. And sanctions range anywhere from a warning to expulsion, depending on the incident. So we do faculty and staff once a year. Combination of, they do online training every year. Kara then talked about what the training for faculty and students looks like. And then we will go into certain departments and conduct a more individualized training at their request or where we see a need. So if we see a certain pattern of behavior within a particular college, we'll go in and do some training, not just on the policy, but on sexual harassment and sexual violence and how to respond when somebody discloses that they may have been a victim of one of the offenses on our policy because we really want to build a culture of support and encouragement to find resources to help a student move forward, whether or not they want a formal complaint or not. All of our faculty and staff are mandated reporters, so if a student or another colleague would disclose an incident to them, they would have to report to our office so we can make sure that person is well taken care of and can move on and heal. For students, all of our incoming students have mandatory training. They do an online haven, which is coupled with our alcohol haven alcohol edu they do that before they even get to campus we then do a mandatory training for incoming freshmen at the beginning of the year about sexual harassment sexual violence and our policy and the resources available then now for second semester freshmen they're all going through mandatory bystander intervention so that you have a sense of community and awareness and protecting everyone including yourself on campus and then we are still rolling out what the regular program for sophomore, juniors, and seniors, but there will be doses as students matriculate through the university from each year to year. It's an ongoing, evolving process, uh, but we just want, want there to be awareness. We want people to own their community and respect others and look out for one another. And, 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 I, and I do believe once the more efforts we take to bring attention to this very important issue, the more our community embraces it. I really do believe we are going to change the culture and move forward. I'm your host, Rachel Bandy, and this is my podcast, Call It What It Is, a five-part podcast that focuses on sexual assault and violence on college campuses. On my next episode, I will be sharing another victim's story along with an interview with a resident advisor on Marquette's campus.